Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo right there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters an unofficial lizzie mcguire recap podcast i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is sam chung hello marissa it's great to be back talking about lizzie mcguire once again and if you hear music randomly playing just know it's me pulling a Catherine o'hara's husband and playing you off that you've rambled for too long. <laughs> I'm not just blatantly ignoring you. Um, as it might have come across on the TV, there is actually a purpose, and it's rude. There was a lot of a lot of shenanigans happening. <laughs> that Golden Globes was a mess. <laughs> yeah, it was quite an adventure. My dad was like, re Catherine O'Hara, does he not know he's also on TV? Like... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate that they tried to do a bit, but I felt like all the bits um, in the Golden Globes this year were a little bit flat, as were the Golden Globes themselves, which were down roughly 70% versus last year. Real rough year for the Golden Globes. Well, it's just everything is so off track. Like, Golden Globes are typically that post-holiday kick off a new year with the Globes. By now, we should also have had the Oscars. Like, it's just, yeah, time is meaningless. Yeah, there's a little bit more hope for the Grammys coming up this weekend. The Oscars, it's looking real bleak. Like, if this was the Globes and people were mostly there for the TV of it all, which shout out to the crown. I know Crowning Around has seen, like, not a lot of people listen to Crowning Around. We're still very early, but we have seen a little bit of a bump, and I'm going to attribute it to the fact that you know, the crown has just swept <laughs> at the Golden Globes. As they always do. But yeah, if you're just talking about movies, it was real bleak, and I don't have high hopes for the Oscars. Uh, I did watch one Golden Globe nominee over, you know, this past weekend, and that was The Little Things, which is on HBO Max, and it stars um, Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and a very creepy Jared Leto, and... It was bad. It was not a good movie, I thought. So if that's what we're working with, it's it's perhaps even bleaker than I thought. I mean, typically we see the movies and we really didn't. We were in it for the TV because we were actually familiar with most of the TV content that was nominated. Like shout out to Jason Sudeikis, a worthy win for Ted Lasso. Absolutely. And by that time, honestly, I was not watching it anymore. <laughs> but I tuned in the next day and I saw that he had made a big splash with his tie-dye hoodie and, you know, he deserves it. Yeah, the big wins of the night were that um, Jodie Foster and her wife in their pajamas. And honestly, the honorary awards, um, Norman Lear and Jane Fonda, two of the greats and made lovely speeches that made me a little weepy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm ready to move on from it. it I want to watch more of the movies before the Oscars. Mm -hmm. I'm still mad that Minari is a foreign film. I really enjoyed that movie and it made me miss Glenn even more um, because after Glenn died, honestly, I stopped watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> Actually, yeah. no, that's a lie. I continued a little bit and then, okay, big spoilers, I guess, for The Walking Dead, although <laughs> at this point it's been on for like 12 years. If you haven't watched it already, like I feel like you're not going to, but I stopped watching after uh, Carl died because then you know, part of the fun of The Walking Dead is just watching it and going, Carl. Wait, so you kept watching it after I stopped? I guess you did. For a little bit, and now I'm just totally lost <laughs> <laughs> because I, I haven't watched the most recent seasons. I know that in the time that I stopped watching, Lauren Cohen left and then came back, and I think Rick Grimes left pretty much for good. I know they're talking about, like, movies, but what is The Walking Dead without Rick Grimes? I guess it's just Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> I don't know. I tuned out that baseball bat to the skull was like 
too gruesome. I was just like, I don't need to see this anymore. I was really only watching it for Glenn and Maggie at that point anyways. You didn't like seeing his <laughs> eye like hanging out of Stop. his face. Stop. <laughs> that is that is a that is a content warning. You can't just talk about gross eye stuff on the podcast. <laughs> you can't talk. It's not even like a visual thing. It's just us talking about something. Ugh. No, eyes are gross. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um Mar- Marissa, you were very excited today because Hillary Duff came through for you. Hillary Duff did come through for me. Okay, so I haven't talked about this on the podcast. I wanted to wait. Like, I wasn't going to tell it if it wasn't a good story. But, of course, I follow Hillary Duff on Instagram, and I saw that she was doing a collab with Smash and Tess, which is a fashion brand, a slow fashion brand based in Vancouver, that their thing is rompers and jumpsuits. And like really cute, and they're super duper cute. Oh my god! Don't put super duper on the podcast, please. It's cut the, that out. It's super duper cute. <laughs> as you heard it here first, the romper was super duper cute. So, I you know did a little treat yourself, and I purchased one of the rompers, and it arrived today. And Hillary Duff came through. It's adorable. It fits. It's flattering, and it was a present for myself for the future book events that I will hopefully be able to do in some distant future when we can see each other again. But I'm very excited about it. Um, It's all sold out. It's sold out pretty much day of drop. Um, So, of course, I had my order in as soon as it launched because, I mean... I was prepared for that to happen. And I'm happy about it. It was a good it was a good buy. How much was said romper? I mean, it was $125 for said romper. Wow. Which I know is more than you would spend on anything, but it's actually like it is a sustainable brand that is designed and produced in Canada. Is she Canadian? No, but Smash and Test the the brand is Canadian. That she collabed with. Hillary Duff is from Houston, Texas. Oh. Um, and it is adorable. And it came in a cute little, like, drawstring canvas bag. It's all Hillary Duff. I love it. I was very happy with that purchase. I haven't been as quarantine impulse by as I expected to be, or at least not in a while. I did a lot of online shopping in the spring, but it's been a while since I did some retail therapy. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did. I'm not glad I watched this week's episode of Lizzie McGuire, though, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, after last episode, I made a prediction about who I thought the celebrity cameo was going to be in this episode because you teased it. And I'm proud to say there were actually several celebrity cameos. You didn't mention that there was like more than one. But if I'm thinking that you are referencing the the one that I'm thinking of, my guess of Mark Wahlberg was not far off because we ended up getting Steven Tyler and, you know, they're both guys who made their careers in the, the neighborhoods of Boston and um, they both had <laughs> musical careers for a time. Um, with varying degrees of success. I don't um, think Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch is at the same level as Aerosmith. Well, Mark Wahlberg was in New Kids for like two weeks, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a little bit before our time. A li- yeah, just a, a little bit. Um, I don't know. They both have big mouths, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like Mark Wahlberg was a completely out of right field guess, but it actually wasn't too far off. I'm happy with my guess. Yeah, I mean, I really didn't give you much to work with, so you it, did not. It, is, it is impressive. You know, before I watched the episode, I was thinking about talking through the two Christmas episodes and asking you which is the superior, but I don't really think that it's up for debate, right? Like Aaron Carter wins yeah. the Christmas Fever Dream episode. <laughs> I, I mean, this in many ways was similar tonally to the Aaron Carter episode, but the content was just all over the place. Yeah, this was a uh, this was real dumb. I did not <laughs> I didn't like this one. 
Now, I guess we should just dive in and just air our grievances throughout. So today we're going to be talking about Lizzie McGuire, Season 2, Episode 20, Extreme Christmas. In this episode, Lizzie is determined to win the Best Float Award at the Christmas Parade with the help of Gordo and her family, but they're busy helping fix the plumbing at an old people's home. This episode aired on December 6, 2002. And it happened, and I'm mad about it. Um, Yeah, and this one was all about... If, I guess, the Aaron Carter episode was all about just going around, making Christmas a fun time, being a young kid, this one was all about, well, what does what is the meaning of Christmas? And, Marissa, what is the meaning of Christmas? Do we know now? <laughs> more so than we did before i mean this really just threw everything at us right it was extremely derivative we get some like christmas carol situation happening we get the wise men story it got like surprisingly religious for disney channel well that was uh, a charlie brown spinoff you didn't see what they were doing matt was clearly linus from (laughs) Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. That's why he was wearing the blanket on his head and why he was doing the Uh, whole Bethlehem speech because that's that's how Linus saves uh, Charlie Brown Christmas when they're all rehearsing for the Christmas play. Right, right, right. Okay. But yeah, it was a completely random mix of things. It wasn't like one coherent spinoff. It was like how many Christmas (laughs) references can we fit in? Because then they also spoofed um, that elf Hermie from Rudolph, the dentist elf. Yeah. <laughs> and they made Gordo be him, which I did not like. They noticed he's short. It's not his I fault. Did not. I did not like. <laughs> I have like specific issues with Gordo in this episode. And not, not Gordo Gordo, but like the way they wrote Gordo. The way that the Jewish character was very like, I want to do Christmas things. Which is, like, fine. I definitely, you know, I grew up doing Christmas things. But the way that it was, like, I had enough of, I think he said I had enough of making dreidels and lighting menorahs. I have never made a dreidel in my life, first of all. Really? I feel like I have. You have made a dreidel? Yeah, out of, like, Play-Doh. I feel like that was something that happened when I was a child. I've never made a dreidel. I have bought not, but well, I didn't buy, but you have like nice wooden dreidels. I've never carved a dreidel. Well, no one expects you to carve it. The dreidel is made out of clay, but no one has clay. They just have Play-Doh. So <laughs> Play-Doh is what happens. And because it's Play-Doh, it doesn't spin very well. You can't expect very much from the Play-Doh dreidel. But it was like kind of like, I don't want to do Hanukkah. I'm about Christmas. And then when Joe brings the lockies and she calls them potato pancakes and gordo's like oh i've had enough of these i eat these all december i'm like really it just felt like gordo was like pushing away from his judaism in this episode in a way that i didn't love did you like that there was a character named knobby frosty bump i hated that (laughs) hated that immensely particularly because i was just like you know he's just an old man who thinks he's an elf like that's that's fine I, I don't know we'll get into it we'll get into it let's just let's just go through do you have any from the top thoughts yeah I mean if there was any lingering doubt that this show takes place in California the fact that it's Christmas and everybody's in shorts I mean I think that's pretty indicative of the fact that we are not in New York at the very least oh yeah it was extremely California Christmas vibes yeah for sure Absolutely. On like a bright sunny day, the prize was a ski trip to Aspen. Never been to Aspen. Never been skiing. Never been skiing. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like skiing Uh, is not. Yeah, maybe I would go to Aspen and not ski. I don't know why anybody would go to Aspen and not ski, but maybe I should have led with never been skiing and then never been to Aspen would have been self-explanatory. Yeah, I feel like you run away from the cold. I do. Unfortunately, this is my last podcast coming at you from uh, sunny Florida, where here it is actually a little bit chillier than it's been the past couple days. It's only 74 degrees today. What do you mean, unfortunately? We're going to be reunited. It's very exciting. 
That's true. You've been very concerned as we've been doing these that our energy is off, but I think that our energy is just still at that peak level. Don't, you know, don't sell yourself short. We're full of energy here. Call it that Marky Mark energy. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) Okay, let's jump into the episode. So we start with Lizzie and Gordo in line delivering presents to Santa. And at first I'm like, what is going on? But it's a donation drop-off situation. This episode was even more proof that, because I I teased this a little while ago, that Lizzie McGuire was basically just a testing ground to see if the Pirates movies could gain any traction. (laughs) (laughs) This, This episode did not disprove that, because right off the bat, we have Larry, you know, just subliminal, not even subliminally, subliminally, like very overtly, tossing out (laughs) those pirate lines at you yeah that's true this is the first episode where miranda is nowhere to be seen heard or mentioned ah yes which is notable i feel like you've been waiting for this moment for weeks i'm not going anywhere and on christmas no less like on christmas the true meaning of christmas is go find miranda get her back here (laughs) they don't even like reference where she is Like, if she's, like, visiting family, if, like, Miranda just doesn't exist in this episode. Yeah. In an episode where we get so many random, like, cameos from anybody who's ever been on the show ever. Or mentions. They don't even have to have been on. We randomly get Cousin Riri, (laughs) who has only been an idea up to this point, and (laughs) honestly continues to be an idea after this point, because (laughs) is Cousin Riri a real person, or is it just the idea of being in a parade float and throwing things at people. Um, but yeah, no, they don't even notice that Miranda's not there and they don't even they don't even they don't even mention it. Thanks for being such a lousy friend. I know. Well, they're delivering their donations to Santa. Santa is Steven Tyler. Um, it's very obvious, like they don't they just put a beard on him, but it's very much his, you know, Steven Tyler hair. Which makes it even weirder at the end of the episode when Gordo is like, wow, Santa Claus just became Steven Tyler and now he's on your float. Who could have seen that coming? (laughs) Steven Tyler from Aerosmith? It's like, wow, who could have seen that coming? I feel like I could have told you exactly what would happen in this episode within the first 30 seconds of the episode. Lizzie assesses Steven Tyler as Santa Claus as off the beaten path, straggly, and no gut. Yeah, but he has a good attitude. And Lizzie has a bag filled with Matt's stuff. Anything that makes noise, she is giving away. Mm -hmm. I respect that. Yeah, and we get right off the bat, the premise of the episode is, I guess there's a contest for who can make the best Christmas float, and the winner gets this ski trip to Aspen, and Mm -hmm. this is it. Lizzie is determined. Okay, so... Has she been assigned a float to do, or is Rock and Roll Christmas also a theme that she came up with? Like, did she come up with the whole idea, or are the floats predetermined, and then you just have to do your best with that float? I think they came up with their own themes, right? Because that's hers, and then Larry Tudgman's is a Star Wars theme, and then Kate's is Jingle Bug. Yeah, but it's like... she thinks is, like, profound, and... (laughs) But it's, like, very clear how... Larry and even Kate to some degree are going to execute their ideas like Lizzie's idea is rock and roll Christmas and my question is if Steven Tyler never shows up and Lizzie does is able to just complete her float what is what about her float is rock and roll Christmas yeah (laughs) who is the rock and roll yeah (laughs) like it sounds like you haven't really thought about thought how to execute this idea you just had a deus ex machina just kind of come in and save your float I think that describes the entire episode in a nutshell. Like, just things happen that don't make sense. And that, like, if you pull back and be like, why is this happening? Like, the whole plumbing situation, which we will will get into. Something that I didn't like in this first part of the episode was, right before they cut to the theme song, Lizzie hands all of the presents to Steven Tyler Claus, and then... <laughs> I'm going to call him that for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Tyler Claus. Yeah. And then she like turns to the camera and said, 
the kids get a merry little Christmas and I get a silent night. I'm like, why are you breaking the fourth wall to tell us this as your live action self? Did they forget to do the animation for that? And they were just like, oh, no one will notice. (laughs) (laughs) If you couldn't surmise it in the two minutes before that, that was the moment where you're for sure like, this is going to go off the rails. There are no rules in this episode. Any standard convention of this show is just thrown out the window, even in terms of what we're used to seeing in terms of storytelling mechanisms and plot structure. There was no like B story, really. I mean, obviously, there's like the the people helping out Nobby Frosty Bump, but like it's not like a true B story because it's all kind of like just Lizzie imagining how that's going. It's very strange. It's super weird. We get like we always get we got our montage. We get a truly fever dream dream sequence that's so chaotic. Like how is this the best Christmas episode that they come up with? How is that possible? I don't understand. But yes, after Lizzie breaks the fourth wall as herself, we cut (laughs) to theme song. Then we're back. We are in this sort of like warehouse garage situation where everybody is working on their floats. Like, where exactly are they? I am not quite sure. It's like that scene in The Amazing Race this past season where they just go to the big warehouse in New Orleans where they hold all all the Mardi Gras floats. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it's just a float place. Just a float place, yeah. And we get little interactions with Larry and Kate, and we learn the theme of Larry's float is Death Star Christmas. Kate's is... Jingle bug. Cousin Amy is also inexplicably there for no reason. Yeah, and we learn that Kate does have a dad, which makes her sad birthday even sadder. I know. Yeah, she says her dad is paying carpenters to build her float. The carpenters are the two big guys. Of course. Of course. Who else are they? I'm surprised no monkey, though. No, uh, what was his name? Fredo? Fredo. Justice for Fredo. Yeah, no, no. he didn't miss much. He paid, He's paying those two big guys $6,000 to do that float. Like, if someone's going to pay me $6,000, <laughs> I would do the float too. What do you think about the description of Kate's float? They said that the float will depict an immense ladybug wearing a Santa hat while stereo speakers broadcast cheery music of a yuletide nature. Well, that just sounds like a rock and roll Christmas to me. <laughs> But yeah, so we do learn that, like, as you mentioned, Kate has a dad. I am just deducing that it is an estranged marriage. Like, I don't think her parents are together, just based on on what we've seen. (laughs) Based on what, what have you seen that makes you deduce that? Well, I just think back to the birthday party and why was Kate calling her mom? And it was just like there was only a mention of her mom. And it was like, come home, mom. And if... Her mom didn't come home. There was no other adult to call. Because so where's her dad? Gen- gender stereotypes. Yeah, maybe she just wasn't going to bother her dad at work. But it was that didn't make sense either. And it's like, where was her mom? Her parents weren't together. What if cousin Amy is her mom? <laughs> <laughs> Boom, I just Jane the Virgin. No, wait, is it Jane the Virgin? No, it's uh, I just Andy Macked this. Boom. Tari Minsky. Yeah, that was the, that was the uh, that's just that was the spark. So yeah, still a lot of questions, still a lot of fleshing out to do in my Kate book. We'll get there someday. Then we get into the introduction of Nobby, Nobby Frosty Bump, an elderly elf, Santa's helper, chief elf. Because Lizzie's talking about how her float idea is better than Kate's, says something about penguins and. Nobby starts talking to them about how elves are apparently allergic to penguins, which is, you know, news to me. Well, luckily, be allergic to penguins. Luckily, they luckily Santa operates out of the North Pole, so the chance of them encountering a penguin is zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're if you are interacting with a penguin, something really went wrong. <laughs> I'm concerned about Nobby Frosty Bump because he seems to have some real delusions and it seems like even in his house, he continues to believe that he's an elf. Well, so here's the thing. I'm like, as a child, right, you just believe in the magic of Christmas and I'm sure like as a little kid, you you buy into what's happening. But as an adult watching this back, I'm just like, 
dude has dementia and like where's his family <laughs> he just lives alone at a nursing home with 240 other patients and he escaped today and now we just have a a rogue knobby a rogue racist knobby I don't know. It's just it it hits very differently as an adult. And I'm like, this is actually a sad story. It is. Like, why are the Maguires suddenly responsible for for this strange man? It's so weird. Maybe Nobby is Lizzie's grandfather. <laughs> now you're just you're just throwing everything out there today. <laughs> Maybe Nobby is Miranda's grandfather. Yeah, and like the only person who's kind of sketched out by Nobby is Gordo. He's like, does this dude really think he's an elf? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. But the Maguires arrive. They are there to help Lizzie with her float. Sam brought his electric drill. Matt brought paste and gum. And Joe brought Christmas cookies and potato pancakes for Gordo, who doesn't even want them. I would never, I mean, maybe I would turn down Joe McGuire's potato pancakes because if you're calling them potato pancakes, I have little faith in your ability to execute the latke. Matt has a list for Santa, but since Santa isn't here, Nobby is going to act as a proxy. And Nobby is like, well, as long as you've been a good boy, then Santa will get you all of this stuff. And Matt's immediately like, oh, I guess that's not me. You skipped over the weird... Sam McGuire and the cookie bake oven thing, though. Oh, did I? Sorry, yeah. it all blends together. It really did all blend together. This was a fever dream. Yeah, because Sam McGuire is like, hi, Nobby, I'm Sam McGuire. And he's like, Sam McGuire, huh? I remember you. When you were 10, you wanted a quickie bake oven. And like the reaction to this is so weird. Well, that's how it's- you know that Nobby is actually Sam McGuire's dad. Maybe. <laughs> Like, everyone starts laughing at Sam for wanting that, and he was like, oh, yeah, a lot of boys wanted that. that." Like, there was just some weird gender stereotyping happening, and, like, Sam McGuire has a lot of just, like, internalized what is being a man stuff going on. Yeah, I agree. And one Throughout the series, and it just, like, came out here, and he just, like, runs off, and he's like, this is a power tool. Vroom. He just, like, runs away. Yeah, and you would you would suspect that if Sam McGuire was such a big fan of the Easy Bake Oven, he'd be a better real-life chef. Yeah, he's like, I wanted it, a lot of boys wanted it to, you know, make pizza. As if wanting to, like, bake cookies is, like, feminine. Like, who doesn't want cookies? I don't know, it was just such a weird thing, and, like, the reaction from everyone else of, like, laughing at that is just, like, icky and problematic. And what does that show, like, little boys who were watching Lizzie McGuire? But was it more icky than the fact that Nobby knows a Chinese restaurant and... Okay, that was literally horrifying. Yeah, that was it wasn't what I needed up. to see. I can't believe that that didn't get pulled. That's what a visceral reaction I had to it. It was super upsetting and really just, like, I... I mean, we talk about... Lizzie McGuire's issues with race and like we we're, we talk freely about the problematic elements of this show but like just straight up racism like that was just disgusting and super uncalled for yeah it's just basically like trying to use you know an impression of the Chinese language for a laugh it's just like it's really cheap it's just uh it's not funny it just comes off as like yeah why are you doing that and in a world where, you know, we're seeing Dr. Seuss books get pulled for sensitivity, I agree it is surprising that something like this wasn't at least, you know, mentioned in a in a tag before the episode or something. Yeah, it was it was incredibly I wasn't expecting it and it was incredibly disgusting. Yeah. And like the the musical overtone, it was just like gross. I want to just move on from that and keep talking trash about the rest of this episode. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. But yeah, on top of just being a bad episode, we have some like casual anti-Asian racism, which we hate to see. So yeah, if we're skipping ahead, Lizzie returns to her house eventually. And surprise, Nobby lives there now. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he's just here checking out all her toys, um, aka getting ready to rob you. 
And Lizzie's like, oh, what are you doing in my house? Which is a great question. And everybody's gaslighting her like, how could you be asking this old man this? I know. I mean, it was a perfectly reasonable question. But yes, the Maguires have asked Nobby to stay for dinner. And it turns into him staying with her family for a few days because a pipe burst in his retirement home. But like, where is Nobby? Again, where is Nobby's family? Why are the, why are, why can he only turn to strangers in this time? And also, wouldn't it, I mean, I know we're getting in the weeds here, but if you are paying a facility, like a retirement home, if something like this happened where your residence was no longer, like you couldn't stay there, wouldn't it be up to them to provide some sort of temporary housing? I know, especially since this is this seems to be a problem that's affecting not only Nobby, but everybody who lives in the retirement home. Uh, all 240 residents are somehow affected by this plumbing issue. So there's a serious problem here. And also, Nobby, just go live with Santa. Like, <laughs> I know, you're an elf. Yeah, you're an elf. Go live with Santa in your penguin-filled North Pole. But he has nowhere to go, so the Maguires just come in clutch for Nobby. And, of course, we get a montage. And this montage is just like a Christmas decorating, um, decorating the tree. They make the, like, popcorn streamers. Tinsel, what's the word? Did you ever do that? I feel like that would be really unsanitary. Yeah, no, we never did that because the one time we tried to incorporate food into a project, ants ate it. Yeah, I mean, like, that just seems like what would happen. (laughs) So, yeah, not looking for that. Sam and Joe kiss under the mistletoe three times. Yeah, I feel like three short kisses equals one making out. So, it's getting a little Um, steamy up in here. They're, like, inexplicably playing dreidel. Gotta throw in, sprinkle in some representation. Um, And Sam McGuire plays the piano. There's a piano in their house. Yeah, where? (laughs) Never seen this piano before. Wait, no, we did. Actually, remember, um, did Lanny hide in the piano or Matt? Someone hid in the piano one time during hide and seek. So we have seen it. Oh, yeah, I I guess I remember that now. You're right. Um, But yeah, Sam plays the piano and they're singing Christmas carols. Nobby's phone rings. I'm honestly, it is shocking that Nobby has a cell phone. In 2002. Well, it runs that on might be th- Christmas spirit. <laughs> yeah, who am I kidding? He's making, you know, long distance calls to the North Pole. He learns that the pipes can't get fixed by Christmas. And so, like, it's just so strange, right? Because on the one hand, there's this elf, Nobby the elf, and the North Pole, and let's just instill children with, like, the magic of Christmas. But on the other hand... He's talking about a retirement home and is very clearly just like an elderly man. If the pipes don't get fixed by Christmas, like, is that the real problem or is the problem no one's fixing your pipes? Like, is Christmas really the deadline we're setting here? Like, someone should be fixing your pipes as soon as possible, regardless of whether or not it's Christmas or not. Yeah, it's pretty arbitrary. And yeah, I'm like, is this place literally flooding as we speak? Like, what is happening? But yeah, the reason is that Everybody's off for Christmas. There is not a single emergency repairman in the entire state of California. Yeah, and is Christmas like literally tomorrow? Like, how is that possible? People work on Christmas Eve. Of course, Sam McGuire, manly man Sam, is like, I can do the plumbing. I took some courses. Yeah, we've seen this. (laughs) We've seen this before. And (laughs) I think we established Joe as the plumber in the family. Correct. We did. And Lizzie's not happy about this. Lizzie is like, I need help finishing my float. Here's the thing. We've talked about Lizzie McGuire and her self-centered, selfish tendencies. But in her defense, this episode is crazy. And like, I kind of feel for her. She's like, what is happening? I, the world is just getting so chaotic around her. And all she wanted to do was like, build a cute float. Is rock and roll Christmas a cute float? Or is it a an intense float? I feel like, what was the other one? Jingle Bug is the cute float. Yeah, it's righteous. I heard what you did for Nobby. Righteous. <laughs> <laughs> Could he have emoted less <laughs> as he said that line? Also. I heard what you did for Nobby. Righteous. <laughs> 
I just feel like this episode tried to paint Lizzie as a selfish, that like almost like the antagonist in the episode, um, who then has her, you know, come to Jesus moment at the end for this big moral lesson about how helping people is the meaning of Christmas. But like, if I'm Lizzie, I'm also like, why do you care more about this strange man than you care about like me? And like, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. I agree. So honestly, justice for Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. And when Lizzie tries to get into like helping people, right. And like doing things that are going to save the planet and like doing all these things that are nice for people, her parents are like, nah, don't do that. We can't recycle. <laughs> we can't uh, <laughs> We can't feed into your delusions about uh, sustainable clothing. And yet <laughs> now because it's Christmas, it's like, well, actually it's Christmas. So now it's okay. You, you, you know, you need to get on the program. You can do this at Christmas, just not the other 364 days of the year. Yeah, you think if um, Nobby's pipes blew on June 21st, the Maguires would drop everything and help him? (laughs) I think not. Zero percent chance. No, Nobby, I'm sorry. Fend for yourself. Use the gas station bathroom for all your showers. Yeah, no, it's it's very confusing. The next day, everybody, we're back at the random float warehouse. Everybody's working. Lizzie is feeling insecure about her progress and her float. Um, Larry Tudgman has special effects for his. Kate seems to be coming together. She just has Gordo. To, it's a helper. It's very much a two-person show at the moment. Sam enters the warehouse, and we learn that the plumbing situation is not going well. Surprise to no one, Sam McGuire is not a plumber, and he does not know what he's doing. He is probably making it worse. I mean, again, Joe should be taking the lead on the plumbing things. I I appreciate Sam McGuire's enthusiasm, but this is not his wheelhouse. Although, what is Sam McGuire's wheelhouse? Playing the piano, just the 12 days of Christmas. Gordo offers to help because it's more important that Nobby and his friends have a place to stay for Christmas. And Lizzie's very much like, what about my float? And she is left alone to work on it. And she works, 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 and then just crashes, falls asleep. Yeah. One thing Gordo says is like, would you want to go a week without a bath? (laughs) Christmas is one day. Why would Nobby ever need to go a week without a bath? Yeah, it made the timeline of the episode very confusing. Like in school, yes, you get a full maybe two weeks sometimes off. But like in the real world... (laughs) After Christmas, your life just goes back to your boring old life. You're just back to doing all the things that you do normally. Yeah, you got to go to work. But yeah, this begins a dream sequence. Sam, what do you think of the dream sequence? Well, first of all, Lizzie's falling asleep, just like throwing glitter at her float, going pretty glitter, (laughs) pretty glitter. Like how, how rock and roll Christmas is this? Just pretty glitter everywhere. But yeah, like I said earlier, this dream sequence is just a random mishmash of a bunch of Christmas references that, at least in fairness, I feel like a lot of kids would have seen these Christmas references already. It's not like we're getting a mix between The Matrix and, you know, other PG-13 movies that six-year-old Marissa has never seen before. So I did appreciate that, but it's just messy. It's just real sloppy and it's kind of not cohesive. Right, and we and we went through this earlier, but it starts with Gordo is an elf who wants to be a dentist. Yes, a la Hermie from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And why are you so obsessed with this float, Lizzie McGuire? Why? Yeah, that was a weird thing. So that's actually one of my favorite Christmas quotes. You know a Christmas quote is my favorite because I'll quote it even when it's not Christmas. And something that I say to you a lot just in our normal life, like, when something isn't going our way is just, why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? (laughs) But then it didn't make sense because then they do the Grinch at the end and Lizzie is the Grinch. So uh, why do we need multiple Grinch references? I don't know. And then Joe is the ghost of Christmas past and we get some wild special effects. Yeah. Could pepperoni do this? (laughs) And Joe McGuire becomes like a giant. So she's, you know, the Christmas carol of it all. And normally when you get this kind of flashback, it is just a straight Christmas carol spoof where you get the ghost of 
no, I don't even the cr- Christmas past, past. Present, yeah, yeah, Christmas present and Christmas future, and and here Joe is playing the role of Christmas past, but there's no present or future. It's just nope. the past. Just the past. She shows Lizzie everybody working together on the pipes at the retirement home, and she's like, instead of enjoying Christmas with the rest of us, you're obsessed with winning. And then I'm still like, is it Christmas? I just like. <laughs> So is she do you think that she's carry do you think that she's characterizing Lizzie McGuire as a three? Ooh, perhaps. But is that Lizzie's true Enneagram? I don't think so. Maybe a two with a three wing. Yeah, I, I see that too. Because she does try to do things for other people. We've seen that tendency come out a lot. Like a she lot. Yeah. she seeks external validation through like acts of kindness or through supporting her friends. Yeah. So it's not her fault that she's obsessed with winning. That's just who she is. But and usually you know she really isn't. I mean, like yeah, in- look, she finally found um, a hobby that she can really dive into. And I don't get why people are really discouraging that. Maybe I should develop some interest. That's the thing, too. Yeah, that really bothered me. It's like we spend a lot of time dragging Lizzie for her lack of interest. And then when she does have an interest and it is super creative and interesting, she gets dragged for that by everybody in the show. <laughs> yeah. How dare you have an interest, you selfish girl? <laughs> it's super. It's ugh. I don't like it. Yeah, I feel bad for her in that sense. Like, she can just, she can never win. She can't. And I think that it also, to take it a step further, I think it plays into the gender roles and gender dynamics at play in the show. Because as a girl, as a woman, your priority should be to help others. Like, you having an interest in wanting to do something for yourself is inherently selfish. And that's, like, something that isn't, placed equally on men if you pull it back yeah i know men can't even use an easy bake oven did not love that i also did not love matt mcguire i know it was a charlie brown spoof but it just got weirdly religious i mean that's what charlie brown does like (laughs) i know but that's not really what disney channel does like i mean everything obviously has christian undertones but it has never been so It keeps it pretty secular. Yeah, so we get that moment from Matt McGuire. And then the end, just Lizzie randomly starts rhyming for no reason. I don't don't even know how to explain this. And I realized that you didn't even set up a watch party. And I feel like, is that because we just are not even going to bother this episode? No, I I just forgot to send you the, I just sent you the link. But one thing that I did want to point out was one thing Lizzie says in her dream is like, how can they plumb without any tools? And it's like, they do have tools. Sam McGuire has a power drill. Why would they even try plumbing without any tools? That would just go poorly. Like, what do you think they're doing over there? Although, I guess, what are they doing over there? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, so then she wakes up and realizes that she needs to go over there. That gives us this. I've got to get over there. I hope I'm not too late. <laughs> It is no use. There's just no way it's going to fit. There's no way we're going to get this done on time. Now, the old folks won't have anywhere to spend Christmas. Bummer. Can't they stay with us? Uh, I can share my room. Oh, honey, there are 240 of them. They can share Lizzie's room, too. Matt. Um, no, I don't think so. I'm not sharing my room. Because we're going to get this finished tonight. Well, what about your float, eh? It won't get done in time. Yeah. I know, but I shouldn't care about my float winning first prize. What matters is finding pipes the right size. Okay, we need to change out the main lines and use step-down couplings. Wow, how did you think of that, Lizzie? That could work. I don't know, it just kind of came to me. (laughs) However it came to you, young lady, you have just saved the day. Well, that's what Christmas is about. It shouldn't be about my float having reindeer or candy canes on it. It should be about this. What? Hot water for Santa's helper? No, helping people. And I would have never realized that if it wasn't for Nobby. Hmm. Where did Nobby go? Hello, people. Uh, Christmas Eve, Santa's helper. Where do you think he went? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just kind of came to me. 
I'm a plumber. Lizzie, you just saved the day. That's what Christmas is all about. <laughs> Being a hero. Do you like the part at the very end of that clip where they all just like put their arms around each other's shoulders and pose like they're, you know, <laughs> about to be on the cover of a, a, a Christmas card? To the tune of Silent Night. Yeah, no, that was wild. It's, uh, <laughs> how is Lizzie a plumbing prodigy? Unclear. I guess maybe she got it from Joe. I, I don't know. This episode is so dumb. She never would have realized it if not for Nobby. And yeah, Nobby, they turn around, Nobby's gone, but it turns out he just went to go pee at the gas station. I'm also a little confused about like the logistics of their plumbing exercise because it looks like they tore out a, an entire wall to like get to the pipes underneath. That's why it took all day. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I'm just like, why is this their job? This It's not. It their, it's makes not. no sense. But yeah, then we get to the parade. Yeah. Joe is proud. Cousin Amy is mean to Lizzie. Got to get that Helen Haley Duff joint screen time. Yeah. It's Cousin Riri and uh, his buddy Stuco. <laughs> <laughs> In the flesh. It, it just makes no sense. And then, so then we get our man, Stephen Tyler Claus is back. Not enough Steven Tyler, honestly. Like, why Why couldn't this have been Steven Tyler's apartment? Honestly, like, this would have been so much more interesting if Steven Tyler was the one having plumbing issues. Like, who cares about, honest, I mean, this, this is going to sound harsh, but who cares about Nobby? I think I'm remembering correctly that um, when Hillary Duff did that deep dive podcast with Whitney Cummings back, I think it was like over the summer. It was a while ago now because time is meaningless. I don't know. Whenever she did that, they talked about the Steven Tyler appearance specifically. And Hillary was basically like, oh, yeah, he just did that because his daughters love the show. Like, <laughs> this was just like being a cool dad. I heard what you did for Nobby. Righteous. <laughs> so that was endearing, at least. Here's something that I think would have been interesting. If Lizzie had gone... Because the basically, it's like, oh, if you go help somebody, then you know, good things will come back onto you. It's like a good karma thing, and we see that at the end of the episode because somebody, maybe I guess Steven Tyler, ended up going to the warehouse and completing Lizzie's float for her. And does she win? It becomes very unclear. Like, is Lizzie now going to Aspen? But you know, if Lizzie had gone, decided I'm not going to work on my float anymore. I'm going to help Nobby, and then she goes to help. And she realizes, I know nothing about plumbing, but I went to help. And that's what's important. Does somebody still finish her float for her? Or is it like only because she was able to fix the problem did somebody do her float? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, isn't the point the, you know, intent over the result? It, it, it feels like Lizzie isn't just being praised for doing the right thing. She's being praised for single-handedly fixing a situation yeah and who finished the float who who where are the receipts and are they going to aspen <laughs> <laughs> who won who no won? closure <laughs> we want to know who won um uh, yeah and then at the very end of the episode steven tyler is on the float how did he get from the audience to the float unclear but then he is singing santa claus is coming to town and then there's two steven tyler's and then there's four Steven Tylers, and then there's 16 Steven Tylers. There's just so many Steven Tylers. I do like his Santa Claus is coming to town. I think it was probably the best part of the episode. Is it better than uh, Zoe Deschanel's Santa Claus is coming to town? Yes. Oh, okay. But Zoe Deschanel's Santa Claus is coming to town single-handedly saves Christmas, <laughs> not only for Lizzie McGuire, who now gets to go to Aspen, but for the entire city of New York. And dare I say the world. True. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough call, but I might lean more Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. And then and again, that's it. again, Gordo's like, I did not see that one coming. And it's like, <laughs> how, Gordo? It was so obvious. And that's it. That was an extreme Christmas. What made this extreme also? <laughs> <laughs> Steven like, Tyler's voice. Like when you think of extreme, it's going to be like X Games, like crazy stunts. Like, none of this was that extreme. Steven Tyler, Claus belting, Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay, well, that's a wrap on what I think is probably my least favorite episode of the series to date. Oof, I'd have to do like a thorough deep dive into the episodes that we've recapped so far. But yeah, this made its way very quickly to the bottom. <laughs>
Should we talk about some outfits? There are some pretty chaotic outfits to discuss. There's a lot of repeating, I noticed, in uh, this episode as well. I mean, I guess we start with Nobby. Can I just say, though, from this opening scene, that Lizzie's belt is positioned below where a belt should be, and that bothers me. That, that bothers you? Yeah. Oh, uh, here we go, finally. Yeah, so Steven Tyler's Santa Claus is... Uh, <laughs> It's a little lazy. And Steven Tyler with the Santa Claus hat, you know, if you look real quickly, it's Keith Urban. It is. It's like, oh, oh, wait, who has that Keith Urban hair? Like, I never remember Steven Tyler's hair looking like this. Yeah. It's like long, straight bangs in the front. Curtain bangs, if you will. And Nobby, just Nobby looks like a jack-in-the-box came to life. That is a perfect description. Nothing about him looks like an elf. Like, no pointy ears. He's a human-sized man. It's crazy. Yeah. That, that that's a good description. But not but plain clothes Nobby is uh basically just a salvation army person. He's like one bell away from being someone who just sits <laughs> outside a grocery store. You are so on point <laughs> with these descriptors today. Nobby has a missus in his life also. Where is she? It's Kate's mom. Stop <laughs> <laughs> Or sorry, maybe it's Kate's dad. Who am I to judge? True. Could also be a mister. We don't presume. Do you like this creepy Santa behind them? No. (laughs) I don't think that. Okay, this is like unrelated, but it's in my brain because I have been watching Firefly Lane and there was like a Christmas thing in that show and one of the characters collects Santas. And I understand that this is something that a lot of people do, but for me, isn't that creepy to just have like Hundreds of little Santas everywhere. I mean, it's no creepier than having hundreds of anything anywhere. Like when you go That's into true. a room and it's full of dolls. Terrifying. I don't know. Santa as an aesthetic is not knocking anyone who does it. It's just something that doesn't resonate with this Jewish gal. So here's one thing that's interesting. So obviously, Naughty is all, is, he's in his full Christmas Nobby. You just called him Naughty. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of the Toyland detective. Um, <laughs> Nobby, in the beginning, is dressed up in his full Christmas getup. And then when we see him at the warehouse, he's kind of dressed down a little bit. But then when we see him at the McGuire house, here he is again, <laughs> back in his Christmas uniform. He had to be an elf Why? to creep around the toys. <laughs> what is happening here? It truly makes no sense. And it's like, is this a different day? Because no, Lizzie's in the same outfit. Oh right, so they're all in the same clo- so they're all in the same clothes, and yet not <laughs> Nobby has changed his outfit twice. I do have to say, the McGuire Christmas aesthetic—they're very put together. Presents already wrapped. Joe McGuire's not wrapping night before they're ready to go indeed see gordo's elf looks more elfy they went full in with the pointy ears and he just looks like an elf he does lizzie's necklace is a choice indeed it is yeah and uh, it looks like a giant sand dollar it looks like it would be very heavy and uncomfortable yeah christmas past joe mcguire is pretty wild yeah i'm like is she supposed to be like a witch what is happening a Victorian witch. I think so. And then, do you see the Linus now? I do see the Linus now. And now, Nobby is fully dressed down. Because he he is truly, at his core, just like an elderly man who probably has dementia. And we should be more worried about him. Probably. overall. The I noticed two outfit repeatings in this episode. One was, the, was Gordo's sweatshirt when they're fixing the plumbing. Because I remember mentioning that it was either Argo or Fargo. So that was one thing. And then at the end, when they're at the parade, Matt McGuire is wearing the shirt that I used to have for what I think is now the third time. The third time. He's an outfit three, Peter. An outfit three, Peter. Matt McGuire. I don't even know if I wore that shirt three times. And yeah, those are the big ones, I think. I agree. Okay. Did you th- wait, well, one more thing. Did you find it weird when they're all at the parade that... Cousin Amy is the person who comes up to Lizzie first and trash talks her. And then afterwards you realize Kate is also there. At first it just looks like Cousin Amy is doing this on her own. She's still mad that um, Lizzie ruined her party that one time. She got some beef. I guess. It's very strange. 
And I honestly, I wish I could give the MVP to anybody who was not in this episode. Like MVP to Miranda, MVP to Ethan Kraft, who we have not seen in a hot minute. I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been quite some time since we've seen Ethan Kraft, I feel like. So I I will go first because you you went first last time. And I'm going to give my MVP to Steven Tyler. I mean, is there really another choice here? Steven Tyler comes in, unexpected celebrity cameo, gives us the only line of the episode that I clipped. I heard what you did for Navi. Righteous. Presumably fixes Lizzie's float, puts on a great performance at the end. And I just feel like it's the Christmas spirit. Didn't I give Aaron Carter? Now I'm now I'm doubting myself. I feel like I gave Aaron Carter the Aaron Carter episode MVP. But maybe now, I feel like you did. Ma- now maybe now I'm just overthinking what I did. It was pretty early in season one. Yeah, I don't think I, I did actually. So I'm gonna rectify that now. And Steven Tyler, you're my MVP here. Congratulations. <laughs> I guess he really is. He's like playing himself, right? Like he is Steven Tyler. He. He's not Santa. Yeah. Like, he's Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler Tyler Claus. Steven Tyler. Yeah, okay. I'll put Steven Tyler Claus as my MVP. (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree with that. Part of me is conflicted because I feel like like Lizzie was done so dirty by this episode. But most of me is just like, Lizzie doesn't need the the pity point. Like, I want to give it to Lizzie when she, when I feel like she, the writing warrants it. And even though I'm upset with, the way she was portrayed in this episode and like the message of this episode, I can't just give like a you should have done better MVP. So am I am I hearing that you're also giving your MVP to Steven Tyler Claus? I am. It's his one chance. Those high notes in Santa Claus is coming to town lived in rent free in my brain for <laughs> years. So I mean that's the Aerosmith staple. Only Steven Tyler can hit those notes. That's why they invited him. uh, That's why they invited him to be a judge on American Idol, so he could just show everybody else that they couldn't really sing. Got to give it to him. He didn't have much to work with, and he he killed his musical performance. It was, in my opinion, a better musical performance than "I Want Candy." You almost said "I've Got Candy." I know. I agree. No, this was. Uh, very topical as it was Christmas. Although this was pretty early for a Christmas episode, in my opinion. You said this aired like December 6th? It did. Yeah, that feels a little early to me. Well, they probably hiatused after. Yeah, like the next episode is Jan 1. So that was the last episode of 2002. Then we move on to 2003 next week. Oh, wow. Really just cruising along at this point. The end is very much in sight. It is, yeah. And... I can't do many more episodes like this one, so perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I, I can't even prepare you for where it's going. I guess the, what we can really take from this is that Miranda is the glue that holds the show together. Miranda's gone for one episode and it all fell apart. <laughs> it did, it Miranda, really did. come back, we need you. Cool. So, yeah, that was Lizzie McGuire season two, episode 20, Extreme Christmas and Extreme Disappointment. <laughs> we can say confidently as always you can follow us on twitter at outfit repeat pod and email us at outfit repeaters podcast at gmail.com with any thoughts as always this episode will be available on our website www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters along with our entire library of now over 50 episodes they're also available on any platform where podcasts are available and coming up here on the Outfit Repeaters, every Thursday, we have new episodes of Crowning Around in which myself, Ivan Vukovic, and Carlin Greenwald talk about the Golden Globe winning series, The Crown. And next Tuesday, we'll be back here with another episode of The Outfit Repeaters. Yes, be sure to tune in next week when we discuss Lizzie McGuire season two, episode 21, Lizzie's 11. Like Ocean's 11? I don't think that's what it means. You don't think that's an Ocean's Eleven parody? No. Are you serious? What else could it possibly be? I don't know. We'll find out. Wait, have you seen Ocean's Eleven? No. Have you seen Ocean's Twelve? No, I've seen Ocean's Eight. I mean, in fairness, I'm. This is another reference that I'm sure no kids would ever get if it was an Ocean's Eleven parody. 
I don't know. You still don't get it because you've never seen Ocean's Eleven. I just looked it up no. and Ocean's Eleven came out in 2001, so it's possible. It's I don't know. possible. I guess I'll know when I see it. It's true. And you'll have to let me know if it is. You can just watch Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> I'm good.